Can you hear me? Yo. Yo. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now you actually can? Yeah. Yeah, okay. What is that tweet? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying. And on today's show, we have great friend, former teammate, former roommate at Hobart, Mark Darden. Mark, my man. So How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on. Of course, of course. So, I mean, I wanted to get you on here because, uh, one, I mean, we go back to obviously living together at Hobart, and then we've stayed in touch over the years and maintain our relationship. I mean, I haven't seen you that much in recent years, but, I mean, we still talk uh, for the most part, you know, every so often. So I wanted you to have you be on this because you'd have a lot of good things to say, and uh, <laughs> you're a funny motherfucker to begin <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, pop it up. Yeah, so one thing I wanted to talk to you about and get into get into it right away with you is um, lacrosse. So um, you went to Hobart. Your dad played at Hobart. Was um, you going to Hobart solely because of that? Or, like, what was – like, why did you choose Hobart to go to? Because I know you also got recruited by other Division One schools, but, like, what was it about Hobart that made you uh, want to take your collegiate career starting it off there? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I get that question a lot. At first, I didn't really even want to go to Hobart, honestly. Uh, like, obviously, you know, my dad went there. I actually went to the same high school he went to. We had the same name. And then, you know, I ended up going to the same college. So, growing up, I was felt like, you know, I was a little bit in a shadow. It was like, no, nah, I really want to look at other options. Uh, but, you know, I was going to Hobart camp since I was, like, seven or eight years old. So, you know, I was always at the summer camps. Um, you know, actually had a pretty good relationship with uh, TW before he was even the coach. Uh, you know, same guy recruited both of us. So, you know, he was working those camps and then eventually became the head coach. And he was just always, you know, messaging me, you know, like, when are you going to, like, come up? He's like, I want you. Like, you know, since I was little, before I even got into high school, you know, he was saying, like, how he wants me to go to Hobart and everything like that. So it's kind of just on the back end. Um, actually, you know, I played lacrosse and football growing up in high school, played quarterback. So, you know, I was kind of focused on a little bit. You know, I wanted to play, you know, football. I wanted to play, see if I could play both. But I was really focused on playing football at first. But, you know, I was a little bit undersized, didn't really grow. You know, I definitely knew I was going to play quarterback. Um, but I was kind of like weighing my options playing both sports and kind of just came down to, you know, I ended up going to Hobart. So, did uh did it affect you? Because I remember it was, I we only I only had TW for one year, and then Raymond came in my sophomore year, and that was your freshman year. Like once uh it got announced that Raymond was going to be our new coach, and Williamson, Scanlon, and uh, TW left, did that like affect you wanting to come to Hobart at all, or were you still pretty much on board with with going there? Yeah, definitely a good question too. It was shit. I think we picked our number. I think it was sometime in the spring. Yeah, because they emailed us when we were still in high school, just letting us know, like, giving us the option of, like, what we wanted. Right. So I'm sitting in, like, gym class picking my number, you know, showing my friends, but they email and everything, you know, what numbers, options I have. And actually, my dad's number, 28, that he wore at Hobart, that was, like, the best option. It was, like, that, like, 34 or something like that. So I picked 28, 
And I was like, yo, I have my dad's number. Like, everything I'm doing, you know, my dad did before. But um, Coxie actually switched his number because he was 23. He switched to, was he six, I think? Was he six? Um, I think he switched to six, yeah. maybe. Because I'm trying to think. Like a week later. So I switched to 23. Before I even got to Hobart. But, um, yeah, Raymond, pretty much, like, we got another email, like, a random email. It's like, yeah, TW is not coming back. And I was just like, what? It was, like, towards the end of the school year, too. And I was like, you know what? I'm going. Like, never even thought about not going. Um, I think there was one kid in our class. I think he was actually, like, our top recruit in the class. He ended up going to Penn State. But he was the only one that dropped out. I mean, it was pretty much too late to – unless I was going to go to, like, JUCO or something. But, you know, I was – Still bought in and everything. Who who was are are you talking about like um in your freshman class coming to Hobart? There was a kid that decommitted to go to Penn State. Yeah. Who? I don't know. He's pretty good. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So that brings us to the next thing I wanted to ask you about because I remember Bud Graham was um uh, a top recruit because he came from Culver Academy where Colton went. And then Upsall, <laughs> Upsall was a top recruit as well. And I remember like going into my freshman year inside lacrosse had Hobart ranked as a top 20, top 20 recruiting class. And I mean, me and you have had private conversations about this and I've always talked about it, but like, like not bashing Hobart and not bashing um, the conference that they play in after they switched. Cause my freshman year we were in the ECAC and we were, it was, it was Michigan's first year. And then we also played against like Air Force, uh, Denver, Loyola. That was when like, um, that was when like Mark Matthews was still playing for Denver. And then Loyola was fresh off the national championship and like not being able to have, um, get scholarships for lacrosse at the D one level because of Hobart, they, cause they switched from D three, um, not knowing like the exact logistics of why they can't give us scholarships, but like, one thing I always had conversations with you about and like Frankie and Tanner and other people was like, if, you know, you can't, if you're, if you're handicapped by not being able to like give out scholarships that like, it's tough for a lot of kids to be like, okay, I'm going to come to a school, but I'm not getting money. Um, especially at a school like Hobart where it is already expensive to begin with. Do you think that like, if Hobart stacked their schedule for out of conference, um, games, or if they just switched to a stacked conference and maybe didn't win conference championships, um, they would get better recruits. I know that kind of seems like a dumbass question because, like, why would you want to be in like the ACC and potentially never win a conference title? But like, just going off the point of like picking a making the schedule stacked to make it appealing for kids to come there to offset the fact that you can't get athletic scholarship. Yeah, that's definitely a good question too. Um, I would say, you know, I mean, you definitely have a good point. I think people have been saying that for a while as well. Um, and that was part of the reason, you know, I committed to Hobart, you know, being a part of the ECAC, you know, we're playing the horseshoe, playing at Michigan, flying out to Denver twice, eventually, you know, Air Force as well. Um, playing in the dome. Yeah, so we're traveling on the ECAC. That was, you know, part of college basketball too, you know, the best part, like the boat trips and everything. So that was going to be, you know, a huge factor of, you know, getting commits. But like you said, when you can't offer the scholarships like you, like you want to, and you can, then you have to make up for it somehow. And I was definitely like on that path of, you know, definitely stack the schedule and everything like that. I think they should be playing, you know, like there's no reason that it shouldn't be playing Albany, you know, both 
you know, in that upstate New York area, Central New York. But um, shoot, what I was about to say. But uh, since they're in the NEC now, like, and the recruits they're getting, they're getting quality recruits. They're getting, like, the talent they have is way better than the talent. Well, especially last year. Um, I think we would have seen it last year, unfortunately. But what I'm getting at is with them being the AC, I think they have a good chance uh, of making the a lot more consistently rather than, you know, stacking a schedule, hoping, you know, you be a couple teams and then getting a bid. But then playing in the automatic qualifier league, you know, who knows? It's going to be a couple teams here. You know, you got St. Joe's, um, you know, Mount St. Mary's played them pretty well this year. Um, Bryant, you know, they were good, kind of fell off a little bit. But when you're in a league like that, I think the last year, I think they would have dominated the NEC and would have got a bid, you know, automatically just for winning the conference. But, I mean, we'll see this year, you know, I, I haven't won too many games, but we'll see how they are this year. But, I mean, it goes back and forth. You got to make it up for it somehow. And it doesn't help that, you know, Hobart's more, more expensive than, you know, an average school, being a private school, liberal arts school. But, I mean, I think when they're conference, they'll, they'll get in in the uh in the tournament so I mean, that's all your yeah because what um what year did you guys win it because you guys ended up playing who Towson in the first round yeah Towson that was that was a fun trip yeah because I was already yeah because I already transferred at that point but I remember like I still would always watch you and I remember like sometimes you'd be scoring and I'd be anytime like you Tanner or Frank would score I'd I'd get out like I'd be watching it with Megan and we'd be fucking <laughs> going crazy at the tv <laughs> But, like, I mean, the opportunity is definitely there, but it's just, like, it's always something I always, like, like was curious about was, like, like there's no doubt that, you know, you're going to win conference championships going to Hobart, not because it's a watered-down conference. It, that, that has nothing to do with it. But it's just, this, it's just from the perspective of, like, okay, like, maybe we could pull, uh, you know, a kid that is not going to play at Hopkins, Maryland, or Duke until their senior year how can we get that kid to Hobart so that he comes in as a freshman or sophomore and is just balling and yeah. is able to con- con- contribute to the team right away? Because, like, I, that's not like, – Like, some of the talent they had on the like the past couple of years, like, attack-wise, some of those kids could have played at, you know, maybe, like, Loyola, Maryland, UVA. You know, the talent was definitely there. That's no – they were, the recruits they were getting, you know, I'm not sure if it was, like, Poyon or – Raymond at a point on left and everything, but they're getting some talent. Like Holden this year, you know, he's on Maryland. Um, I was texting him last week. I was about to go down to the game, but the talent's definitely there. Like Justin Scott didn't come back, unfortunately, but he's someone. You know, I was saying like since he set foot on the field freshman year, I was like that kid's different. Like definitely doesn't play like a freshman. And start. Where did did he end up transferring? No, he was a senior last year, but he didn't come back. He's Canadian. Oh, okay. But he had a big role, you know, since ever since he came to Hobart. Yeah, because I definitely think that, like, that's how, like, well, it's funny you say that because, like, um, Sailor, I remember Sailor from high school. Like, we never played against Fairport, but um, I remember Fairport made it to, I think, the regionals, and the regionals were hosted here. And Sailor at the time was like, he was committed to Maryland. I know he transferred from Maryland to Hobart to play with us, but like he was just dancing on everyone in high school, right. just dancing, just dancing on people. And then like, uh, like you said, like I remember like going to the regional game, watching him, and I was just like, "Fuck, 
<laughs> if that's like how good you got to be to go to Maryland, like I have no chance of ever like playing at that competition. But when I got to Hobart and playing with Love, playing with Stone, like to your point, that's like Love and Stone were the first two players that I was just like, damn, like not not trying to like gas them up or hype them, but like you know you played with them, like both of them are just different. Yeah, yeah. Like Love's fu- is damn near unguardable coming around the net, but. Yeah, no, it's always something uh, that was always on my mind. Now, did you, like, um, so you obviously continued playing lacrosse after college because you played, um, you got a chance to play in the World Games uh, a couple years ago in Israel for Team Jamaica. Like, how did that even come about, like, and, like, what was that experience like? Yeah, so that was probably one of the best experiences of my life, honestly. I can't wait to do it again. Um. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, two, 2018, I think it was 2018, uh, that summer, went over to uh, Natanya in Israel, got to play in our first season for Team Jamaica. Uh, it was definitely, like, the start to it, like, I didn't even think it was going to be put together because we, we were so close to not even making it over there as a team. Um, the tryout process was hectic. Like, everything just to the start of it was just – chaotic because it was obviously our first time our coach was uh Errol. he was the assistant at lehigh and then we had another assistant um you know that coached high school um but the team like you know, we had a couple guys straight from the island and then our team was just you know some former d1 guys former d3 guys some current d3 uh current d1 it's a whole mix of guys like different ages too like the most fit guy on team was a 38 year old um and he was a uh, personal trainer he trained um, mlb uh players and this guy was jacked like just swole like 230 straight muscle um and then we also had a kid that was still in high school who's a fogo that was you know trying to get commits and everything and looks so the age difference was crazy um the experience was awesome and you know just being a part of that was Truly special. Um, you know, like I said, it was our first team ever. And, you know, going out, I think we went 7-1. Finished in 11th place, I believe, out of, like, 60 teams, 60 countries. So, it's definitely uh, satisfying to, you know, perform pretty well over there. What's the what's the talent pool like? Because, I mean, well, before I even get into that, I remember, like, I, I me personally, just from being, you know, boys with you, boys with Frank, just as, like, a, a friend, I was fucking hyped as shit to see – like when Frank texted me that picture after the opening ceremony of, of like him and all his Iroquois gear and then like you and your Jamaica gear and you two like side by side for the picture. I was just like, yo, that is fresh. Like that is, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah. that's fucking sick because it's like, it's the world games for lacrosse. And like, just, I know like for me, and I, I hope this doesn't come across as like arrogant. I don't even know if it would, but like for me being like, yo, two of my, two of my boys are playing in the world games and they're playing for two totally different like countries that aren't team USA or Canada. And it's just the simple fact of like being, I mean, playing in any type of world game isn't an accomplishment of its own, but then being able to have like two friends that I know on a personal level, seeing them play, like for me, I was just like, okay, this is fucking sweet. hundred percent. And so like, I know like, like seven, like uh, Jake Silverleck, like he, he played for team Israel. Now, like, 
Um, how's like the talent though? Cause like you, you always hear and you always see that like team USA is team USA, like they're dominant team Canada. And then obviously like you have the Iroquois who like, they just have players all across the field that like, if you really appreciate the, like the native game, it, like it revolutionizes the complete game of lacrosse. Like you look at some of the things Frank's done, Lyle Thompson, the Thompson brothers as a whole. Do you, did you see like, while you were over there in Israel, um, talent from other countries that, you're like, if you were in the U.S. and you were exposed to um, some high-profile markets like Maryland and New York, that, like, those kids would get better looks? Or, like, what? Like what's the talent, like, from all these other countries that you don't hear about? Yeah, so, um, like, we got to watch, like, for the opening ceremony after that, we got to watch Iroquois play um, USA. So we had to watch that live, like, front row. Uh, the talent level was crazy. You know, the ball was always moving, you know, Shots were going in the corner. Um, their takeaway checks were happening. But, like, other teams, so, like, England, Australia, um, trying Israel, obviously USA, Canada, um, and the Iroquois. Puerto Rico also were probably the top team. Just because they had a lot of former D1 players, like Israel. You know, I'm sober lick, but they had Max Siebold, remember him? From a, yeah, he played at Cornell, yeah, right? Yeah, I was guarding him. Yeah, I, I remember that dude was <laughs> solid, like everywhere. I'm just like, good grief. But yeah, that was our first loss um, in Israel. Then we beat everyone after that. But they had a couple guys from Duke, D Mitty from Duke. Like our our goalie was, um, he's a backup goalie right now at Syracuse. Um, there right now. But these other teams, you know, they had just a lot of former D1 guys. But the teams like, Mm, let's see, Finland, Greece, Russia. Like, we handled all those teams. Wales was pretty good. Um, they had some Americans, a little bit more Americanized. But, I mean, the top countries you would think that would be good are, are good. And then the ones that you think would be bad are, are terrible. Like, it was cool to see Uganda over there. I got a picture with them. I think, I can't remember if they won a game. I think they might have won one. But there were some teams that are, like, countries that struggled um bermuda had a pretty decent team they had a guy from uh, syracuse drew jenkins on their team um but our team was you know our team was solid as well you know we had hakeem lucky from, from cuse goran murray from maryland um we had a oh i forgot about yeah him. we had attackman um that went to amherst that was all american he was really really good He's from baltimore um and we had a guy that you know played at umass lowell Kid at pace. Um, what is it? Is that Belmont Abbey? Yeah. So we had guys all over. How was uh, how was Team England? Because I know that there was a couple kids that like when like once I transferred to Mercyhurst, there was a couple kids that like I played against um on other teams that did play for Team England um that balled out and were pretty good at the D two level, but um. Obviously, like you said, like you're, you're you're like Team Jamaica. Like you got the age. You said the age range is so vast, but then you're going up against guys that like in for Team Canada and Team USA that are just stacked from top to bottom and are like the best like pro players. Um, so like, how was how was that? Like you said, like the competition, like going up against those guys because obviously, like from going from high school to college, it's a massive jump in terms of like. At, 
the talent for the game itself, the skill, and then obviously the athleticism. Um, what what do you think it was like for those kids that didn't get the chance to play college just yet or didn't necessarily get to get in on their college team just yet going up against like Paul Rabel, Max Siebold, um, and like the big time, like the big time teams? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, fortunately, there's like grouping and state. Um, and we group B, and we lost our first game to Israel. And like I said, you know, they had Max Siebold, got Duke, I forgot who it was, but and uh, Silver, like obviously, but they had other, you know, American like Division One and like higher level lacrosse. So that was the best team we played. And like we didn't play like Team USA or the Iroquois, except we would have beat Israel, we would have, but there were other games that you know got close the Israel game, um, and then you know. Wales game was pretty close. Probably who, who also was, but you know we had some close games, some turning points, and you know those guys actually played you know pretty well. Um, you know there were some points where you know obviously the older guys, more skilled guys, had to take over a little bit. But for the most part, like I said, that one kid in high school, he was a fogo for us. Um, he did pretty well, um, and then the other guys, you know, they stepped up where they, you know, when they were asked to. But overall. I don't know if you would be able to notice, like, like obviously some of the kids, but you wouldn't really notice, like, on the team, like, who played where, unless it was, like, certain points of the critical in the game. But, I mean, I think overall, you know, our team played pretty well, just putting everyone together for in the first time. Yeah, of course. And, I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing in the World Games. doesn't matter if you're playing for, for like, the worst con- – like, the worst team in the world games, you're still playing in the world games. So, I mean, like I said, like that's still an accomplishment in of it, in and of itself. Um, so like moving on from lacrosse, like before we move on real quick, like I know like uh, you've had like a unique background, um, you know, playing in Maryland, which is a major hotbed for lacrosse and stuff like that. You know, if there's, if there's, you know, a high school lacrosse player listening to this, you know, podcast, listening to me and you talk and stuff like that from your experience, at least like what, what, like what things would you tell them, if they came up to you and were like, Hey, Hey Mark, like, you know, you played at Hobart, you played for team Jamaica, you got to play in the world games. Like, you know, I want to get to that level eventually. Like what are, you know, some things that you would tell that kid to, you know, guide him towards eventually getting to that level, whether that be like mentality, whether that be like working out or just like, you know, getting on different travel teams. Like what, like, what would your take be on that? Yeah. So that's a good question as well. My question to them would be, like, you know, how much are they – that's, you know, what they want to do, play the next level, um, you know, whether it's D1, D3. It's, like, how committed they are to the game because, um, like, you know, the sport can only take you so far, and I feel like that can go for any sport as well. You know, sports can only take you so far unless it's, like, you know, the NBA, NFL, pro golfer, um, you know, baseball as well. So if you want to go pro, go to the next level, you know, play in college, whatever it is, you just got to be committed to it. You know, that's got to be – I would say it doesn't have to be your life, but, you know, you have to manifest that, you know, every day thinking about, you know, that's your goal. So if you look at play, if you're saying, hey, I just want to play college lacrosse or just get into college, uh, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be D1. Like, go to a school where, you know, you feel like you can play right away. But also, like, you never know how long sports are going to last. So go to a school that, you know, if lacrosse isn't, you know, the end for you or isn't the answer, you know, go to school where you can see yourself where you're going to be at if you're if you're not playing lacrosse, put it that way, or you're not playing sports. 
Um, because like if I didn't play lacrosse, I'm not sure. Or and that's the majority, you know, of a lot of athletes that drop out or they don't finish up where they started at. You know, they get injured. You know, coach leaves, whatever it is. You never know. You know, one situation, be like, hey, you know, it's not working out. If you do, essentially, you end up you're not playing that sport. You don't like it there. I could definitely mess with your mess with your head. So. I don't know, just be committed to it, you know, practice every day, you know, your basic stuff, but go to somewhere where you could see yourself playing for four years, um, someplace where you want to be if you're not playing sport as well. Yeah, no, I can, I, I definitely agree with the, um, the part that you said about, like, even if you're not playing, definitely go to a school that you can see yourself having fun at. Because, I mean, before I transferred, you were the last, you know, you were the last person I lived with. Um, when we lived together, when I was there, um, and that's like, that's what it was for me. Like, I mean, I know, you know that, but I was just like, you know, I have a, I had a time in my life, like with you guys and like all the like stupid, funny shit we would do when it was like the road trips and stuff like that. But like, I train, I, I solely transferred from Hobart cause it just wasn't for me. Like I just did not have fun at that school. And like when I was not with you guys or like with like Mark and, you know, Trey Stanley and like the football guys, like if I wasn't with the football guys or if I wasn't with you with you guys like I was miserable I was like I remember like texting my mom and like I'm like yo I gotta get the fuck out of here I'm like this school is not for me like I just it's it's not that I don't fit in but it's just like I, I like it almost was like I, I felt as though I couldn't be myself because I wasn't having fun I wasn't having fun there and it was miserable which led me to being you know going to Raymond and just being like hey like I, I want my letter I want to I want to transfer and you know, he thought it was like a team thing. He was just like, you know, are you not getting along with your teammates and shit like that? And I'm just like, no, I just like straight up like the school is not for me. Like, I know it's a great, I know it's a great academic school. There's a lot of really good jobs you can get coming out of the school because of how well the alumni is. But it's just like, I have four years to be in college where realistically, like in college, you can get a like, it's really the, the last time before you hit the real world that you're living not consequence free, but you're allowed to, you know, be immature and do stupid things. And you're not really facing like high consequences and not even from that perspective, it was just like, okay, these are going to be the four greatest years of my life. Potentially the first two were miserable. I like, I'm just going to take a chance and go to a completely different school. And it's, it's funny because I mean, <laughs> as you know, I got kicked off the lacrosse team at Mercyhurst and then I going to Mercyhurst and getting kicked off the lacrosse team, I still say to this day were the two best things that ever happened to me because like when I was a normal student at Mercyhurst, I had the time of my life. Right. And that's exactly what I mean. Like a kid could be unfortunately like, you know, one injury away from not playing again. So definitely be at a spot where, you know, you can see yourself, you know, just chilling, being a regular student. Yeah. And the other thing that you said that, I mean, I don't, I wanted to touch on was you said manifest now are you uh do you believe in manifesting and like your thoughts become like reality or like where do you stand on that yeah 100 percent. like you know you set a goal you gotta talk about it like a lot of people you know I don't believe in like you know new year's resolutions or anything like that you know they'll write it down and then you know maybe t- after two weeks they'll look at it and then maybe after a month they'll see what they what they did and then you know, maybe they'll look at it, you know, two months in February. But like you said, a goal, I just feel like you can't just like write it down. You have to you know, speak it into existence. You have to talk about it every day. Like, I, 
where do you think um where, like where do you think like people <clears throat> people find it hard to like actually put that into action because i know like right now like that like there's a lot of things that like I've manifested in my life that I didn't even know I was actually manifesting. And I didn't like, I wasn't put on to like the law of attraction and all that shit. But like, um, I like, there's things I'm doing now that like over the past couple of years I've seen manifest because like my thoughts were aligned with what I wanted the outcome to be, but I still have friends and I'm sure you do that are like, what do you mean manifesting? Right. Like you can't just think something and it comes true. I, like that's bullshit. I, like, I tell them too. I tell my friends are like talking about like some of them get it, some of them don't, but like, I believe in it so much because, like, you know, playing for Team Jamaica, this is something I thought about, you know, since I was seven, maybe. Like, playing the World Games, like, obviously, lacrosse doesn't have um, the Olympics. But I was like, the next closest thing is the World Games. Jamaica didn't even have a team. And growing up, I was like, you know, another thing for, you know, a kid listening now, I'd be like, you know, just never doubt, doubt your talent. You know, just whatever it is, you just always got to think you're – you're better than what you are. Like, that's just the, the reality of it. So I was you know, growing up, I'm probably not going to be good enough to play for Team USA, but it would be cool, you know, if Jamaica got a team, um, you know, I think I'd be good enough to try out. And this is something I thought about since I was, like, little, since I started playing lacrosse in, like, you know, grade school. And, you know, 15, 15 years later, you know, we have a team, got to play, you know, we perform well, and it's already seems like so surreal. Cause like, I know like obviously, you know, when Jamaica, we got a bobsled team, they made a movie about that. Um, like we didn't get crazy coverage from the country. Cause I don't even think a lot of them knew about it, but like just being on the first team, you know, I'm just like, that's crazy. Like we're going to go down in history. It doesn't even feel like a big of a deal, honestly, but you know, just that's something I manifested, you know, 15 years, at least 15 years on and just see that come to reality is pretty cool. Uh, no, I completely agree because there's a lot like, I mean, we won't touch on it um, just because obviously some of the things are personal and they don't need to be on the podcast. But like, I still remember some of the things that you would tell me that you were going to do or before college was over, you were going to do or like even after college, you're like, yo, this is what I'm about to do. And not that I was I didn't believe you, but like it was just funny to me in not in like a making fun of you way but it was just funny to me like your conviction behind it because like some of the things i know you know too some of the things you tell me i would look at you and i'd be like all right you need to you need to <laughs> you need to like stop smoking weed like i don't know what you're doing but like you need to relax and it's funny because like it, it's come it's like come to fruition like i've seen it with you and it's like it's it's not a surprise to you because you've always been walking and talking like that um and obviously, like for others, they don't believe it because they don't may necessarily not believe it for themselves. But like, where do you think um, there's that fine line of like, all right, you're being cocky, you're being arrogant and versus, you, you know, you believe in yourself because like, for example, I mean, I don't know if there's a little like out there, but like Jalen Ramsey. I love watching that dude play right. because he's always barking. He's always barking. He's always talking shit. And he's always like, I'm the best. Give me the best. I don't give a fuck what you think. Like I'm that dude. But like you see in the media, you see other people that are like, you know, I don't fuck Jalen Ramsey. I don't fuck with him. Like he's arrogant. He's an asshole. He's cocky. And like, I try to tell people, I'm just like, you got to understand that like to even get to that level and to be a lockdown corner, like he is, like you have to actually believe everything he says. Otherwise, like you're never going to actually get to that level. And like, I'm always like, like I've seen, you know, I've seen documentaries with him. Like I've never met the guy, but I do genuinely believe that like he, you know, he is a, he is a down to earth guy with people that 
he enjoys being around but for most people they don't correlate because like they're not on that level mentally and it's almost like your favorite player like Kobe like you see like everyone's like Kobe's an asshole fuck Kobe this 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 but then once he retires you know they show the process he went through and like the self-talk he had and like how he believed in what he was saying and now everyone's like oh you know Kobe inspired us so it's like you know I know that was kind of long-winded but like I'm always like, you know, confused, but intrigued at the same time of like, when does it become cocky and arrogant? And when does it like become like, oh, this dude just believes in himself. And like, maybe if I figured out a way to do that with myself, I might be able to do something great in my life or eventually be on pace to do something great in my life. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, drawing the line. Um, that's definitely a good question because I, I don't know. Like, I feel like confidence comes with you know a little bit of arrogance but i wouldn't say arrogance but you know you're confident because you've done it before you know you can do it um you know whatever that is and you just got to be obsessed with it that's what i was saying though if you want to play if you're committed on playing you know a sport in college you know make that your goal like at whatever age that becomes you know you got to be committed and obsessed with it so you know I've, i've watched like almost every kobe interview documentary whatever it was like even before i even got to like college he was my favorite athlete that you know i followed huge lakers fan and he just said he became obsessed like 16 or 17 no maybe earlier than that like 14 or 15 you're just obsessed with the game and it was a story of um him and richard hamilton they were both on uh the mcdonald's all-american team but trying out for some team and you know, they had a break that night and, you know, Rip Hamilton and the boys were like, yeah, we're going to go out. Like young kids, really young kids, like 17 years old. Kobe was like, you know, I got to stay in the hotel and ice my knees, get ready for tomorrow. And then like his worth ethic that he just, this routine that he did, like it just became obsessed with him. Like he became obsessed with the game and he'd done it in a repetition, repetition, like, you know, it gets old, like, you know, when point on would have us doing, like, the same simple drills. But when you get in the game, you're like, I feel like, you know, I know the shot's going in because I've done it 100 times. So I feel like it comes, you know, the confidence when you know you can do it and you can talk about it, but you're backing it up. So, I mean, and I feel like the arrogance part, like, you know, you got to understand that you can do it because, you know, obviously if you're not believing yourself, you're not committed to yourself – why should an employer, why should, you know, a customer trust you? So, you know, if you're not going to back yourself up, you know, anyone else should. No, I, I completely agree. I just, I just always get a little like, I mean, and obviously like there is, there has to be a little cockiness and a little arrogance to it because that's like in a way, like almost like your pride of like, yeah, like I know I'm this good and I'm telling you what I'm about to do. Cause like I worked, I'm like, I'm working when you're not seeing me work to get to that if I'm not already there in a way um what now the other thing i had a question on too is like i know you're like kobe's your favorite player like we were just talking and like his mindset was just different do you like where how do you think that like kids or maybe maybe they do and maybe i just myself have not been exposed to it but when i got to college like when i got to hobart i was used to like always either being one of the better players on the team or either being the best player on the team or, you know, whoever I was going against. But then when I get to Hobart, 
I, I was like one of the worst kids on the team, but it wasn't because I wasn't good. It was just because everyone can, everyone can ball, everyone can play. So like for me, I, you know, looking back on my college lacrosse experience, I always tell people like that are in high school or like younger, or even like, you know, buddies of mine, just in general that like, it's not like, you're not there to have fun. I mean, you are, but like, it's a business. Like, like if you like you're either contributing to to get the w or like it's the next man up like because you got kids on the bench that were all americans at their high school team and stuff so like for a younger kid that's like coming into college and it's like in any sport he does or even just like um uh you know any sport that they're in what what would your advice be on like the mental aspect of it because i i like i like i didn't I didn't have that mess. I didn't have the mental aspect to it at all whatsoever. Like I wasn't, I didn't play my freshman year because every kid that was in front of me was just flat out better than me. And I remember being like, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to not playing like what the fuck. And then like, you're obviously doing well in practice or, you know, you're doing good in, in, in like some drills and stuff. And like, you're still not getting in. And then it's like, it could be like self-defeating. I mean, it was for me, like there was times where I'd be calling my mom and I'm just like, I need to transfer. Like, I don't belong here. Like I can't, I don't think I'm supposed to be playing D1 because, like, these kids are just, like, they're just as fast, they're just as strong, and they're way more skilled than me. So, like, I don't even understand why the fuck I'm here. Yeah, I feel you on that. Especially, you know, when, like, you know, coming in, like, I was I was always, like, young for my, for my grade. So, I came into Hobart. I was, let's see. I think I was, shoot. I know I left when I was 21. I'm trying to remember if I was like 17 or 18. But I was always like really young for my age, for my grade. And I feel like physicality-wise, like my first two years, I was definitely undersized. Um, so coming in, like like you said, you know, when your first two years, you're not playing. Um, mentally, it definitely plays a toll, especially when you feel like you can be playing. So I would say just to a kid, like make sure – you know, you are ready to go into a situation where, you know, if you're expecting to start, understand, you no, know, you might have to wait your turn. And that's what I had, you know, understand after a couple of years, you know, even if you are that good to play, you know, there just might, like, unfortunately, it comes down to it where, you know, there might be people ahead of you, you just have to wait your turn, which sucks. But in reality, if you just have that, that drive, you know, you're going to step your game up to the next level. So whether it's like, you know, just doing a little bit of extra, putting the work in, um, like there's a lot of guys like Devin Booker, you know, he was coming off the bench at Kentucky and he's an all-star right now in the NBA and the guys he was playing behind aren't even in the NBA right now. So it's kind of crazy. Um, I would just say, you know, stay committed and like physicality wise, there's some guys that come in that, you know, aren't ready for it physical, physically wise, but they are, you know, mentally they can handle it. They can handle, you know, maybe the film sessions, the, the routine, but, you know, physically, you know, their body just not going to go through, you know, every day of that grind. And that's what happened to me. You know, sophomore year got hurt. Um, and in my freshman year, I hurt, came into my sophomore year. So taking those nine months of rehab, you know, really got me right. Yeah, no, I totally feel that on you because that's the thing. Like, phys- physically, like, I was, I was fine. Like, I wasn't getting, like, beat up or anything like that. And then, like, when we would do our run tests, like, I was fine with the run tests, the lifting, the conditioning drills, and just, like, the day-to-day grind of, like, what college lacrosse is. But, like, like you said, like, the – or as I was saying, like, the mental aspect of, like, oh, damn, I'm not playing. And then it's just, like, okay, well, it's not that I'm not playing because, you know, 
the the kid the kid was just a little bit better than me it was just like okay they're just as i don't even know what i'm saying so i'm gonna cut that out but i'm gonna restart um yeah for like for me like the the physical side of it was was not the issue but like going back to it it was the mental is like okay i'm not like i'm not playing right now like i'm not playing as a freshman like i'm not getting you know any minutes which you know not many freshmen do play right away um and then going into my sophomore year it was like a new coach because we got we had raymond Poyon and hirsch and it was like the and they i mean nothing against tw or any of like the previous coaching staff but i personally thought that like raymond Poyon and hirsch brought just brought a completely different level and like edge to the team like they were like you know we're gonna be playing physical we're gonna be playing fast and like that's how practices are gonna be and then like on top of already having that innate like all right like i don't necessarily know and this isn't even like something i've ever shared before but like having that like oh i don't even like know if i'm i'm good enough to be here so like maybe i bit off a little bit more than i can chew like that affects you in practice because like i was always that kid and i know you know this from Poyan always screaming at me i would make a good play the next play would be the next play would be like, what are you doing? And then the rest of the practice, I was just like, like screwing up left and right. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? And so it's just like, it's like a giant roller coaster. And it's like, if, if I would have like had that mental side of like, all right, you got to pay your dues. Like there's kids that are better than you, but at the same time, it's like a coach isn't going to recruit you if they don't see you fitting into the puzzle that they're trying to put together to put to like to have a successful culture and team. And that was something that like, I never realized because no one ever told me that. And it was not something that like I was ever put onto, but as obviously you get older, you get a little bit wiser. You talk to some people. Um, and now with social media, like you see a lot of podcasts and interviews where people are basically, you know, telling the origins. Like I didn't know Kobe didn't play his first two years in the league and he's at the bench like that. I didn't know that I was taken away by that. So like, um that is definitely like something that like I like to talk about um you know when I do talk about certain things like this is because it's just like I feel like 80% of it is actually mental and the other 20 is just like your skill yeah that's definitely on point definitely a lot of uh, I'll say mental fitness going on for you know athletes pro athletes as well yeah for sure now um since you uh, have been out of college and you graduated Hobart, um, what have you been up? What, what have you been up to? What have you been doing, like job wise? Uh, after graduated, I moved down to Tampa for a little bit. Yeah, what was that? That was awesome. Like? It was fun. Look, because when we uh, we went down, we we played Tampa. We played Tampa University my junior year when I was at Mercyhurst. Uh, wait, no, was it my junior? No, it was technically my sophomore year. So it was a. Uh, it was the same year that I transferred from Hobart that same year we played Tampa. And like, when we went down to Tampa, that campus was insane. And just like the campus was insane. It's like, there's like a, it's right there on the water. And then on top of it too, like, it just looked like such like a crazy, like party atmosphere. Um, so like, I know Tampa is a fun play. I mean, I mean, I've only been there for like the college, but just in general, like I know it's a fun town. So like, what was that like for you? And like, why Tampa? Yeah, so uh, we moved down. Well, I moved down, you know, with obviously like Tanner was down there, Noel was down. <laughs> I had a couple of my teammates come down at the same time. I had a couple of buddies from high school that were actually down there as well. So I knew a handful of people. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm fresh out of school. I'm young. It's good weather. I know that for sure. 
And especially with playing, you know, at Hobart for four years, going upstate, all that snow, I was like, I can use, you know, some good weather, some sun. Um, so I took a chance, went down there. Uh, the company I was working for, it's actually started in Maryland. It was uh, founded by the Ravens owner, Steve Bishotti. Um, So I was actually, and my, my buddy, my good buddy, he actually has a good connect over there. So got a good reference. Um, went down to Florida, worked there. And then when I knew I was going to, when I made the team Jamaica, I knew I was going to have to play. And we had a lot of tryouts and practices that were like in Pennsylvania, up north. Um, you know, we had like team trainings and everything like that. So I was like, you know, I'll just probably move back. So I moved back to Maryland, stayed with the same company, and then went over to Israel and then moved back, got a new job with ADP now where I'm doing um, small business, you know, payroll and HR consulting. Is that now, um, is that always something you wanted to get into or were you like, you know, most, most college kids when they graduate, you're like, all right, I got a degree, but I don't know what I want to do. Still. Yeah. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew getting into, you know, recruiting, counting finance, learning, you know, the back ends of that will take me, you know, be a good stepping stone for my career. So didn't really uh-huh. know what I wanted to do. Like I said, I studied media. The whole point of me going to Hobart also was because I wanted to live in New York City at first. And then after like a year or two up there, I was like, nah, not feeling it. I don't like New York that much. Um, so that's part of, you know, having a media degree as well. Definitely want to use it, get back into it, but it's not what I expected to do, you know, at the graduation right away. Yeah, that's, I, I feel that. And like, that's the thing. Like, why do you, um, like what, like what is your dream job? Because I, I, I definitely think that like, and I could be wrong on this, but just like being like kids, kid, like you graduate high school, you're 18, 17, 18 for some, maybe 19 for others. Um, and then, you know, by your sophomore year. So by the time you're like either 19, 20 or even 21, like you have to pick a major at most schools by the end of your sophomore year. And for most kids, I feel at least from conversations I've had with people on this topic the like the majority of majors get picked out of like money in terms of like oh I'm gonna pick that job because that is that that I know is gonna make me a lot of money um and then obviously like you graduate college and then you see what your friends are up to and it's it's like almost every everyone I know outside of people that like went to law school med school um a teacher or like accounting they're not even doing what they got their degree in most definitely I feel like you know, it really depends too. You know what you're getting your degree in, and like obviously, if you want to be a doctor, engineer, um, lawyer, like you do have to take those steps. But really, I don't know. I feel like you know, coming out of high school, you know, if, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. But you know, I feel like they, I, I just clip it I feel out. Like they put a lot of pressure on kids, you know, just to go to school. Don't even know what they want to do, but you know, that's the, the way the game is. You know get kids in, get them a degree, get them in debt, <laughs> whatever it is. But I don't know. I just feel like, you know, a lot, nowadays you got a lot of kids that just go to school because, you know, they don't know what to do. They don't want to, you know, stay at home or get a job right away after high school. So they're just like, you know, I'm going to go to school for years, party for a little bit. Do you think that, uh, yeah, honestly, in the, the century set party, and I'm not going to lie, like I only wanted to, like, obviously as like an immature high school kid, like I only wanted to 
go play college lacrosse because I was like, okay, if I can get if I can get to a big big uh, like a big school like a like a Syracuse, a UNC, a Maryland, like something like that, or even like a like a lower level team. At, like at the time I was coming out of high school, like Michigan was club. They didn't have a D1 team yet. So like, like Penn state, like stuff like that. My whole mindset was like, all right, I'm gonna get to school. I'm gonna get scholarship. And then uh, I'm gonna party. I'm not even really going to take across that serious. Um, so like, I feel like for most kids, like, and again, these are just conversations I had. I'm not saying this is a universal statement. I feel as though that like for kids, that's what college is. And like you said, it's like, you kind of, the, the notion is at least this is what I've always heard growing up is like, go to college, get a degree. That's how you'd be successful. And I feel like most, for a lot of kids, like, and a lot of people, like, college isn't necessarily for them. So it's like, you know, you get the pressure of like, well, you're not going to be successful in life. You need to get a degree. You need an education. But it's like, okay, well, not every kid um, is, comes from a good background, like financially. Like, I know, like, having a conversation with my mom, like, my mom was like, if you didn't get college covered, like, you'd probably go to community college because we, we personally, like, I mean, you know, like, my mom raised me single, single mother. Um, she had me super young and like, we don't like, we didn't come from much. So it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to Hobart. That's, you know, 57, 58,000 a year. Like I could just shell that out of pocket. Like I, if I didn't get, you know, academic money to go there, I probably never even would have went there. I probably would have just stayed home and went to like a community college. So it's like, do you find that, um, do you find that like trades and like, um, you know, being an entrepreneur and, you know, getting in the business and stuff like that, like that's not really pushed on to people or like they don't really have those avenues per se um, to like, you know, give kids the options of, and I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I'm going to cut, actually, I'm going to start that over. I'm going to clip it. Um, do you find that like there isn't enough dialogue and conversation to like younger kids coming out of high school, like looking to go to like looking to see what the next phase of their life is after high school on like, you know, hey, like you're you're a really creative kid. Like you're very creative. Maybe you should think about, you know, getting into music or getting into an art and, you know, exploring that avenue before you go rack up thousands and thousands of dollars worth of debt that you're going to be stuck with for the rest of your life because you can't file, you, you know, you can't go, can't file bankruptcy on student loans. Like those things are with you for the rest of your life. And, um, I feel a lot of people, like when they get out of college, they have such high payments and then they have all this student debt and it's like, it's preventing them from saving for retirement and like being able to take vacations and do stuff like that. Um, I know that kind of got a little like ranty right there, but like, what is your take on like, you know, like you said, like kids, you felt as though like kids are getting pressured into like picking a major and having to like quickly decide what they want to do. Do you think there needs to be more like conversation on like exploring the talents and skills of that individual rather than just pushing them to be like, you need to go to college to be successful? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And you can tell what like the subjects I teach in high school well, actually starting from like middle school, elementary school as well. Um, so like you're saying, you no, know, a lot of whatever it is, that field, you know, you're not going to get a lot of, you know, music, art, culinary, um, you know, because there's some kids that, you know, like you said, you know, college isn't for them, but they're not sure what they can do besides, you know, go work at Target if they don't go to school. Like you said, you're not going to be successful when you don't get a degree. It's like, oh, you know, I've got to get a four-year degree. I don't know what I'm going to major in. Um, so, they, you know, I just feel like, you know, they're already set up, you know, to fail because they don't know what they want to do and they're going to have, you know, a bunch of debt coming out of school, especially if, you know, if you're a regular student and you don't have a scholarship, you know, whether it's academic or um, 
for sports, like I said, you're really going to be at a disadvantage. Yeah, because I find as though, like, it's it's weird because, like, when I was at Hobart, I mean, I majored in it at um, at Mercyhurst as well, just because I like learning learning about it and I like the classes. But I was like essentially playing with house money since I had school paid for. Um, but I wanted to go to law school at first. Like that's what my whole like notion was. I was like, all right, but back to the whole money thing. Like that's what my mindset was. It was like, yo, like I want to have a lot of money not to buy material things, but there's a lot of things I want to do in life. Like I want to retire my mom, which I will do. Um, I want to travel. I want to be able to, you know, take golf trips with the boys, like just, just do a lot of like fun things. So like my mindset was like, okay, I need money to do that. So let me just pick a profession that makes the most money. And then obviously Hobart was very big on like pushing internships and getting, getting experience, you know, while you're still in college so that when you do graduate, you know, you have a stacked resume. So it looks more appealing for employers, but doing all those law, law internships, I was like, this sucks. I'm like, I hate this. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what I want to do. And I just happened to come across real estate and I was like, okay, like I can make, you know, I can get my real estate license. All I have to do is pay a thousand dollars, take a state test. And then I have the same level of qualifications as someone that's like a luxury broker in, in New York city selling $40 million apartments. I mean, there it's not exactly the same in turn, because obviously you have to have a different license in New York city than you do New York state, but um, to sell real estate, but just the whole premise of like, the best realtor in New York city, their qualifications are the same as mine. Essentially. It's just that they're, you know, they obviously have made more money and are way more successful than me because they've, you know, learned the craft of sales, but like to be successful and I'm just using real estate as an example, cause that's what I do. Um, but for like, for real estate, you just have to pass a test, pay a fee, and then you can go sell to whoever you want and you can make, hundreds of thousands of dollars but it's just like okay wh- why would you not like you know to be telling kids that like these are options you can right. take you know just at least and i mean i'm not saying like every like school is bad but it's just like at least giving the option of like you know this is something you can do if like for someone like me who likes to talk a lot has a very like outgoing personality um and stuff like that be like hey you know you don't know what you want to do have you ever tried giving sales a try because i know that that's like what you do and like we both know from like you know mentors that we personally have and like obviously you like you know talk having conversations with your dad you know the times i have seen them is that like they all say that like communication and sales are like two of the the you know the biggest skills to have with the way the world's going because if you can't you know close a deal with someone or you don't know how to talk to people like it's going to be hard to you know become employed when so many people have that skill i feel that because it's like when i got put on the real estate i almost thought it was like i thought i was being like in a ponzi scheme almost because i was like so you mean to tell me that all i have to do is i don't need a degree i don't need a i don't need a college degree i don't need like i don't need anything all i have to do is be a certain age which I believe it's 18. I think it is like 18 or 19. I could be wrong, but that's what I think it was maybe because that's when I got mine. But it's like, so all you have to do is you have, you just have to take a class for 72 to 75 hours. You pass the local, you pass the local exam. Then you sit for the state exam of whatever state you're in, you get your license. And then 
that day you can start selling and that's, that's all you need to do. And it's like, you know, you can financially set yourself up. So it's just like, and it's funny because like I hear from when I first started doing that, I hear from like friends, parents that I talk to, or just other friends, like, you know, you should get a real job. And it's like, well, what is a real job? Like working a nine to five? Like, I don't like, I'm still making money for myself. So why does it matter? So like the whole notion that like, you need to go to college to be successful, um, was always something that like necessarily didn't resonate with me. Um, and it's something that like over the years I've always talked about because like you said, like you have business mentors that you've been around and like, you've been able to do a lot of, you know, successful things and like, you know, make good money for yourself and stuff like that. But it's not necessarily based on things you learned in college. It's just from being around people that, you know, have money and are successful in what they do and just being around them, absorb, being a sponge, picking their brain and just being like, yo, how did you get to what you do? And I know from conversations we've had, we've always found that like a lot of people that are really successful and um, are millionaires and stuff, most of them didn't even go to college. Right. That's what I'm saying too. Like, I just feel like, you know, it's coming out like since elementary and middle school, especially in high school, you know, they just push either you know, go to college. That's your only option. Or, you know, you're flipping burgers at McDonald's. So they make it. <laughs> yeah. Got to come to an end. You'll get a four year degree. So that's something I'm definitely going to, you know, if I have future kids, let them, you know, decide on their own what they want to do. Yeah, because I don't know how you feel, but I genuinely believe that college is nothing like, okay, and this isn't like for people like listening, probably being like, uh, you know, you're an you're an idiot. Like, what do you you don't know what you're talking about? I'm not saying like college is bad. Like, I think college is extremely valuable. And for 99% of the people you like you should go to college because you do learn a lot about yourself, um, life and just like, good, you know, good things that can carry you and make you become successful. Like, I definitely would say that, like, if I didn't go to college, I like I, I wouldn't be, you know, organized in what I do. And I wouldn't know how to have those basic communications of like, you know, basic things that you do every day in work, like emailing people, you know, calling people presenting yourself in a, you know, a good fashion. But um, you like, they like, they could be like, they have they have an idea. Um, like, you find that like, most kids have an idea of like, Hey, but they get told like, that's not realistic or, you know, by a teacher, like, Oh, like if a kid was like, Oh, I want to go to like the NBA or the NFL, I'm gonna focus all my time, like training for that. And like, that's extremely hard to do. Um, you know, they get told like, Oh, get a real job. Or if you're like, Hey, I got this business idea. I want to do this. And like, you hear like, Oh, Hey, I want to get a, you know, get a real job. Like that's not, you know, that's not practical. How are you going to make money on that? So do you think like that message comes like out of fear or do you think it comes out of like that person that's telling you that, you know, they had that idea once and they didn't, they, they never did anything with it. So they kind of like keep passing it down. Like, Hey man, like, they won't say it didn't work out for them, but they're like, yo, it didn't work out for me. So like, it probably won't work out for you. So just go to college, get a job. And I feel like it'd be both ways. I feel like they could, it either didn't work out for them or they could just be scared of, you know, that person being successful. Um, I just feel like a lot of people that, you know, have like the entrepreneur mindset get, you know, the people that are shutting them down or like the people that are close to them that are just conservative, you know, you have your typical nine to fives, whatever it is, you know, and they're just like, hey, if it's not by the book, you know, if it's not normal, it's not going to work. So that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. I mean, now, you didn't go to grad school, did no. you? 
No, I didn't think you did. Okay. Yeah. So what, um, so what, like, what's next with you? Like you're, you're living in Maryland right now. What, uh, what's on the radar? You plan on staying there? You plan on moving? Like, we'll see. I got a couple things brewing up. Um, uh-huh. you know, I, I want to get like this personal training business started up. Actually, I haven't started. Um, but you want to start personal no, training? No, it's like, um, like one on one lacrosse, small group training. Like, I, yeah. Oh, word. Yeah, it's like set and everything, but with COVID going on, kind of, you know, wasn't to a hiatus last year, but I want to get that back up and running. I want to eventually move back down to Florida. That was really fun. Um, but I do want to get out of Maryland. Um, you know, it's just, you know, I've been here my whole life. When I left for a little bit, it was fun. Um, you know, got to see the world. Like, I like to travel. been a lot of places. So, you know, Maryland's somewhere I've been the most. And, you know, Explore my options, keeping them open. Definitely want to get. Yeah. Where's the best place you ever have been? Like that you visited? Was it uh, yeah, Israel, Israel or Japan? Japan was fun. Tokyo. What was Japan? Oh, Tokyo was probably insane. Yeah, I was. I was pretty young. Like, I couldn't drink or anything over there, but it was still fun. Yeah. Did um. So like what um the fuck I I keep fucking brain farting over here. Uh, oh, I'll know what I'll talk about. <clears throat> so like um another thing I wanted to transition to. I know it's like kind of choppy and we're all over the place here, but whatever. What well, um you you said earlier you like you played quarterback. You were a quarterback and that you were weighing your options of, you know, lacrosse or playing football but you ultimately stuck with lacrosse. And I know something that when I first met you, we hit it right. We hit it off right away talking about was uh, Mike Vick. Like that's your favorite player. Um, and that's like who in, in for on the football field, that was your idol. And then like for, for me personally, that's, and I don't even care if people give me shit for it, but that's my favorite football player of all time is Mike Vick. Um, you see more and more the, like over the years, you see the rise of like the black quarterback in the NFL. Um, do you think that do you think that that's going to be a continued trend and like like do you think that Mike Vick is the reason for the way that quarterbacks play the game today because like you see like Kyler Murray dual threat running all over the field throwing bombs like you see Lamar Jackson you got obviously Cam Newton and then you got Deshaun Watson uh Dak Prescott's not so much a scrambler but like he's still he's still a baller Russell Wilson so do you think like in do you think that Mike Vick's the reason uh, for the evolution of the game or like what in, why do you think that uh, like black QBs per se get like such not a bad rep, but like you hear all the time, like them coming out of college, they're always like, Oh, you're going to play wide receiver. And it's like, what do you mean? Why would I play wide receiver? Like I'm a dual threat. Like I can run and pass. Like, why would you not want that versus like a standardized pocket QB who the second the pocket collapses, like, right. Okay, that's and it's, it's like a no brainer to me. Like, obviously like, you know, if the pocket breaks down, you definitely. Yeah. Right, so I think it'll the trend will definitely continue. Um, you know whether the quarterbacks, you know, black, white, Mexican, whatever it is. You know, as long as you can move, get out the pocket, like you see with the Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. Um, like I would consider them, you know, kind of like new era quarterbacks, where you're not your typical like a guy like Mac Jones. Like those dudes are completely. Like, I, I feel like – I won't say it's over. I won't say it's done because, like, Matt Ryan, you know, he's that type of quarterback. But I just feel like the new – I mean, Tom Brady just won. He's a pocket quarterback as well. 
but um, just giving you a better chance to win. Um, that's the the main thing. Like you're not, very rarely going to get a guy that's that talented as Tom Brady, a guy like you know Matt Ryan, where you know there's just strictly pocket passers. You're going to have to get a guy that can you know get out the pocket like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields coming up. So it's obviously I'm not sure if you can like give Michael Vick all the credit because there were some you know running quarterbacks before him, but you no, know, he's the I'd say the most elusive, electrifying, you know, quarterback we've seen since, you know, Lamar Jackson gets a lot of comparisons now too. Um, but yeah, I mean the the dual threat quarterback is the wave. It's the the way to go. Yeah, I used, it's it's funny because like uh, all my boys, like I mean you know this because me, you, Kwanji have had text messages back and forth like during the NFL season, like like going at each other, like from the perspective of like because I tell my boys all the time like like because they're all like fuck Lamar Lamar's not that good like I'm just like yeah he doesn't need to throw the ball that good because he rushes for a thousand yards every year and no one like he's one play away from breaking it and taking to the house I mean you saw it in the playoffs against Nashville I mean like he wasn't doing that good throwing the ball he had one running play took it to the house and then like that electrified the whole team and then like the, the game was pretty much on ice after that I mean they didn't beat the Bills of course, because you know my my bills. But, um, like, why do you like? Why do you think that like it gets like it gets such a bad rap? Because I remember like even Cam Newton in the beginning of the year, like people were like, oh, like he sucks at passing, but he was getting all those rushing touchdowns. Oh. Well, I agree with them on the Cam Newton sucking at passing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean to say suck at passing. They're just like, oh, Cam's not what he once was, and it's just like, yeah, but he doesn't necessarily need to Shoot. be. I'm not the biggest fan. But I mean, I guess Lamar gets some hate. Um, but I mean, look at his receivers he's throwing to. They're a bunch of wide receiver two, wide receiver threes. You know, his best receiver is a tight end. So I feel like, you know, the Ravens got to get someone. I feel like, you know, if they could draft Rashard Bateman, you know, maybe go get another reagent receiver. Um, you know, they could turn around the passing game a little bit. But I mean, he's hard to stop. Got that that MVP season. I mean, last year was a little bit of a down. Well, I guess you can call it a downfall compared to his stats previously. But I think he still played pretty well. You know, he got a playoff win. Um, so I mean, I don't know. People just need something to argue about. Yeah, I feel that. Do you think that they'll um ever ever be a dual threat QB that plays the the style that like he plays to win a Super Bowl because I know like on all the sports shows that's like a hot topic of debate is that like there's never been a quarterback that has been a dual threat in his electrifying running the ball like Vic was or like Lamar was that have ever won a Super Bowl and like obviously that's part of the the reason that they're like you know we're not going to draft a quarterback like that because like statistics show and you know next gen stats and all that shit is like there's no proof that a quarterback like that wins you Super Bowls do you think that like he will be the first one to get over the hump of that, you know, narrative of, you know, dual threat scrambling quarterbacks don't win, or you think mm, someone else? It depends what you consider dual threat. Like, I'm talking, I'm talking like Russell Wilson's a dual threat, and he won a quarterback. He won the Super Bowl already, but I'm I'm saying mainly like, like, like Lamar obviously is more like Mike Vick than he is Russell Wilson because he's running all over the right. field more than he's actually passing. I mean, eventually, yeah, because like I said, it's going to be – the new wave of quarterback and, you know, the quarterbacks like Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, they're about to be out the league in a couple of years. So 
I mean, you think about the quarterbacks that are in the league right now, a majority of them, even if they aren't black, they can move a little bit. Rodgers well, can I mean, move. Carson can Wentz move. can move. Um, who else? Jared Goff can move a little bit. He's not that good. He's got a little, got a little wiggle. wiggle. <laughs> Jared, um, your quarterback, Josh Allen, can move. Uh, oh, that reminds me. I got to. I got. I mean, every time it gets brought up, I'm gonna have to eat my words on it. But Josh, I, I okay. I'll give it to him. Josh Allen's good. You remember He's all nice. the hate I was giving him. <laughs> Yo, do you see the Bills actually just signed Emmanuel Sanders? Even though, like, he's—I mean, I don't—I okay. think it was a one-year deal, but yeah, no, they just signed Emmanuel, so that gives that gives them a little bit more help. But no, dude, my my thing with with that was that like the only reason I was saying Josh Allen, I wasn't impressed with Josh Allen, was just because it's like, all right, we've seen this before in Buffalo. Like, you you draft, we draft a guy, we have high hopes for him. Like, look at EJ Manuel, turned out to be shit. <laughs> and I then, hope. and then, like, I'm not. Yeah, no, obviously, like, it helps that he had Stephon Diggs and he had a team around him. But, like, at the same time, like, I couldn't – like, I couldn't just be like, all right, jo- I, I know Josh Allen had no one throwing him the ball. Like, me and Frank used to get into this all the time. But, like, I know Josh Allen wasn't throwing the ball at anyone. But at the same time, it's like I'm not going to sit there and say a guy's good when he's 30 – like, 32nd in passing and, and shit like that, which is an actual stat if – you know, people think I'm hating, like, you can look it up, like, his first two years in the league, yeah, he's a rookie, I mean, yeah, he was a rookie, and then he was a second year, he's young, you got to give him some time, but it's like, I'm not saying he's not good, and he shouldn't be your quarterback, I was just simply saying, like, yo, as a starter, you're being compared to Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, Lamar, Deshaun Watson, like, you're gonna be, you're being compared to all those guys, and, like, I didn't think, me personally, like, he was a top 10 quarterback, like I get he had no one to throw to him but like he didn't necessarily have the stats and it's like yeah he gets a lot of rushing touchdowns but it was like okay well when your legs go and you can't run the ball no more you can't throw the ball you're not going to be effective so that like was the only reason that I was saying that I didn't think he was good but obviously after the season he had last year I got to eat my words on that (laughs) you think the Bills get over the hump and win a Super Bowl anytime soon I don't think they win one with him you a mafia member now? Always. AFC team. Are you gonna cut? The Bills are my AFC team. Oh well, I mean, by the looks of Snapchat, I assumed you were a Ravens fan, like a blue leg Ravens fan. Because now that the Falcons, your team, were were ass, I always see you on Snapchat at Ravens games, just like go birds. It's <laughs> last year, and I was rooting for the other team. Yeah, I mean, if we have, if we're allowed to have fans this year, I mean, even if we're not, like you should, like you and Kalani should still come up uh, for the Falcons. Oh yeah, stay with me. Yeah, even I mean, even if we can't go to the game, we can still go like go out to the bars and stuff like that. But I mean, you guys should definitely come up because has Kalani ever experienced the Bills tailgate before? <laughs> we, you think he's ready for be. it? Because that's like a it's like a war zone those tailgates they're crazy but all right yo so to i would say to wrap this up because i mean we've we've uh we've been on here talking for quite a bit what would you be you know out of everything that you've experienced in life um you know whether you know whether it's been through traveling playing college lacrosse at a high level um you know your experience post-college working and stuff like that like if you were talking to a younger mark darden you were talking to yourself at you know five years ago let's say what would you, you know, 
what what advice or like what would you tell yourself about like um about the future to you know lessen your worries or lessen your anxiety about like what's ahead in life that's a good question that's a good i know it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of heavy but like i just uh I just, I just wanted to ask because I'm always intrigued by like, you know, what people say. Sure, I probably just say, you know, just continue to do something that makes you happy. I feel like all the decisions I've made, you know, in my life, and I'm glad, like, I, I don't regret any decisions, like, you know, where I went to school, what I've done. Um, like, I feel like every decision's come down to, you know, just what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I'll just say, you know, just, you know, stick to your guns, continue to do what got you to that. What got you there? Um, and you know, just you now stay true to yourself. Yeah, I, I respect that. I feel that. And what do you in the one and, and one more? And I know I probably sound like an idiot right now talking, and people listening are probably going to be like, "This guy should not be doing podcasts because he barely speak." But um, what is your take on surrounding people, surrounding yourself with uh, with like good people that you know, like have that same type of energy as you? Because like. Um, I mean, as I've talked about before, like, it, like Hobart wasn't for me. Like, I genuinely didn't feel as though I fit in there because it's just like I didn't really vibe with a, like a lot of the kids there. Not from like a I don't like you and like go fuck yourself type of way. It was just like it just I, like it just wasn't like it just wasn't me. Like I, I had a hard time like connecting with people and I, like I found it to be like like a hard environment to have fun in. But then obviously like when your class came in and you know we hit it off right away. You know me, you, Murph uh Shane and like a lot of kids in your class like you guys were really fun and like you guys were like polar opposite of a lot of kids that went to Hobart and um and there's not like uh, uh, Hobart's a great school and like there's there's great kids that are there but what is your whole perspective on like you know you know surrounding yourself with like like-minded people and like people that share the same type of energy for you do you feel as though that like that has like a a bigger effect on your happiness or do you think that that is just something that like that helps, but doesn't necessarily is the end all. Be yeah, all. I agree with that. Um, like also, you know, you want to be in a group where you know you have the same common interests and everything like that. So, I feel like school is kind of like the last place where school and work. You know, I feel like you don't really get to choose. I mean, in some situations, you do get to choose where you work. Like obviously, you know, but your coworkers and your classmates, the people you're surrounded with, so. I feel like that's like the pot, kind of like the last spot where you're not 100%. I guess like where you're not, um, you don't have an effect on who you interact with, I guess. Because like work, you know, you don't know who you're uh-huh. working with, you know, when you were such a job in your class, you don't know who's in that class or whatever it is. But, um, you know, after college, you, know, you kind of, you know, I've had the same group of friends, you know, for a while, you know, from my hometown, like we were little, like, you know, playing mm-hmm. the same seven, nine, ten football leagues and everything. So I would say like surrounding yourself yeah. by a group of people where, you know, you have the same common interests, you can grow up together. But when you get in situations like, like you said, you know, we're at school where you know, you're not necessarily like clicking with everyone. And I guess you would have the option when you get out of school, you can kind of like select the groups so you hang out, you hang out with a lot more. I'll put it out. Like you can find clubs, groups, mm-hmm. whatever you know. You like music, you can hang out with, you know, your band friends or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I mean, I just don't really like now that I'm out of school. I don't really ever surround myself with people I don't like anymore. So 
Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing is that, like, I, like, I at first, like, I remember, like, calling my mom being like, yo, I can't go to school here. Like, I don't, it's not that I don't, like, fuck with the kids that are there. It's just that, like, I'm not, like, I can't connect with these people. Like, I don't understand, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, or, or like, or like, what is going on? But I'm like, I'm having a hard time finding, like, true, genuine connections and, like, being able to be my, my authentic self, like around like these people. And then obviously like when I met you, Frank and, you know, got around like Shane and and shit like that, like it was obviously easier. And then, you know, going to Mercyhurst, like Negan was there and a couple other kids that I already knew, like, um, it, it turned out to be the time of my life. So like, I always am like fascinated by that is just like, you know, what, like what people's perspectives are on the people you surround yourself with playing a, playing a role in like, you know, your happiness as a whole and like your personal happiness and like how that, you know, affects, you know, your mental health and your life and all that shit. So, so it's, it's good to hear from you. So that's, that's, that's what I was kind of looking for to see what you had to sure, say. Sure, man. Appreciate you having me on. Oh yeah. As always. I mean, I mean, we kept it a little PG, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I'll have you on again. I know Keenan, I was talking to Keenan earlier. He wants to uh, I'm gonna try to get an episode with you two on because that would be pure comedy. Um, and he's and he and I told him I would say this, but he told me to tell you that uh, thank God this wasn't on uh, on video because he said you're top five <laughs> ugliest of all time. <laughs> oh, something. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but like, I mean, he himself looks like little baby Stephen A. So like, <laughs> you know that when you I have both of you guys on, it's uh-huh. just gonna be a roast fest. But. Yeah, so, but, all right, my guy, well, I appreciate you doing this, taking the time out. I know you're super busy with all you got going on with family work and uh, lacrosse and, you know, your personal training that you have going on. So, like I said, I greatly appreciate this, and uh, we'll link up All right, bro, be easy. Thank you. Appreciate it.